Welcome so I'm just going to gonna start it. Welcome to the Is For Podcast with Danger and Sarge, and we've got Baby G with us this time around, and he's going to be exploring letter... The letter K for King. King, comma, Stephen, Stephen King, the as, king as, of horror. As he would appear in a library, King, comma, Stephen. Yes, exactly. Depends on what library. Yeah. <laughs> it, it depends on if you're using the Dewey Decimal System, I think. But thankfully, we don't have to find Stephen King books in a card catalog anymore. No, There's no. Uh, yeah. I mean, for everything that he's written, it's like, good cool. night. I figured he'd written so many books by now that they would be like he would write a book and then that one before would go on di like discount count. It's funny uh, uh, when you Google that how many books has Stephen King written? It says at least seventy eight. <laughs> at least, and are they all written well, under the Stephen King name? Ah, see now yeah. you're getting ahead of me. Uh, you're getting ahead of me, Casey. I've got right. I've got all that ready to roll. I will hold my horses. Just okay. To be stable. Uh, I, yeah. oh, I heard you. I see what you did there. Okay. So Stephen King was born in Portland, Maine in 1947. Maine is uh, the northeast part of America is sort of like his stomping ground, even though he a lot of his stories take place in places like Derry and Castle Rock. These aren't real places, but they all have that New England uh kind of vibe because that's where he was born and raised went to school up there he he graduated college in 1970 with a bachelor's in english and he was eligible to teach uh english high school and he got married in 71 during this time while he was getting out of college and stuff is when he wrote his first story that he ever got published it was called the glass floor and it got published in 67 so that was the first one, but he wrote a few more and they sort of got published in men's magazines and, and, and local newspapers and stuff like that. And a lot of these he ended up putting together in a novel that he published later called The Night Shift. I don't know if any of y'all oh, heard of that yeah. one. Yeah, it's a collection of short stories. His collections of short stories are a little hit or miss, but Night Shift is usually received pretty highly. That one, that one's a popular one. He was doing the short story thing, teaching high school, doing all that until 1974 when he published his first novel. Do either one of you guys know what his first novel was? Was that Rage? Close. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Nothing's cheating. I hear some clicking. I hear some clicking. It is one of his most popular, though. Carrie. Carrie, yep. Oh, okay. And what's very interesting about Carrie is uh, I read it recently. He Googled Stephen King's first novel, and Carrie came up, and it's got a reissue of the uh, cover uh, artwork. And uh, the artwork is very pop pop art, uh, oh, cel-shaded. A lot of the original uh, book covers are definitely a product of their time. They're very... Some of them are very dated, which kind of adds to some of the, you know, the vibe of it, I think. But what's really interesting about Carrie is it was his first novel that he ever published, but it's not it's not written in a traditional novel sense. It's actually written mostly through newspaper articles and testimonies and uh, courtroom case uh, scenes. So it's it's weird that his very first novel is more not only original creatively but original stylistically. Most authors don't jump in that strong, you know. So after that came out, 
his publishers basically told him, hey, just do this. You don't need to worry about teaching. You can just do the, the, the writing thing. So to get to what Casey said, he was writing all these books and he wanted to keep publishing them. But his publisher told him, slow down. If you publish more than one or you know, one novel a year, you're going to oversaturate the market. People aren't going to be that interested in it. So he started writing more books under the name. Does anybody know his pseudonym? Richard Yeah, That's right. The books. Yes. Now, there's some kind of debate over whether or not he really changes much. Some people think that the Bachman books are a little bit nastier than the regular Stephen King books. I, I've, I haven't read any of the Bachman books from start to finish. I've just kind of bits and pieces here or there. I, maybe if you didn't know it was King, like at the time, if you read them, it might make you feel a different sort of way. It just feels like Stephen King to me. And he wrote five books under those names, uh, under the name Richard Bachman. Uh, during the 70s and 80s. Does anybody know what his next two novels were after Carrie? I thought this was going to be a description of a quiz. Yeah, I've already said I didn't study for this. Does this path fail? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I have failed. I mean, what's the curve? So the only reason I knew this before doing any kind of research was because I guess about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was like, I need to read more. I just I don't read enough. I need to read more. And I want to read more scary stuff because that's my you know genre of choice. And so I got Stephen King's first three novels in one like package together. And it's Carrie, Salem's Lot and The Shining. Okay. Yeah, I knew The Shining and, was early. And I can't, you know, I, I'm not a literary scholar. I don't know a lot of authors. I don't, you know, there's only a handful that I, I read, you know, frequently. But what a strong three, like, in a row right there out the gate. I mean, all three of those are classics. I mean, back to Bachman books when he was writing his Bachman, yeah. right? They were, even knowing it was Stephen King that wrote the books, they, those were like a no holds barred. He's not going to get in trouble from his original success books. I mean, it, a lot of authors will write stuff under their pen names mm-hmm. just because they're tired of writing the same old crap over sure. and over. I mean, was it The Simpsons or was it Family Guy that had that thing with Stephen King where it's like, hey, did you finish your new book? And Stephen King's like, uh, yeah, it's about a, like, grab the lamp, a lamp that kills yeah, people, yeah. and the author and the publisher's like, when can we expect it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what What's funny is Stephen King actually was on an episode of The Simpsons where Marge meets him at a book signing, and uh, she says something about, what's your next book going to be about? He says, I'm actually taking a departure from horror. It's actually about Benjamin Franklin. And she's like, really? He's like, yeah. And how that key that he tied to the end of the kite was actually a key to open the gates of hell. And Marge is like, okay, well, let me let, uh, let me know when you get back to scary stories, okay? <laughs> Bachman published, well, King, Bachman, however you want to say it. He published Bachman five King. novels. Bachman King. Bachman. 1977 Rage, which was Casey's guess. It was actually Bachman's first published book, so close. Do you do you know why it uh, was uh, banned? <laughs> yes, because it was uh, had some some school violence that was pretty 
So to your point, Stephen, I mean, it's not that Stephen King has ever shied away from controversial topics, but the Bachman books. So just to give you a rundown, Rage in 77, The Long Walk in 79, Roadwork in 81, The Running Man in 82, and Thinner in 84. Now, was uh, the running and man was the running man made into the movie with Schwarzenegger? The book and the movie share one thing, and that's the title. Okay. It is technically based on the book, but it has nothing to do with it, like whatsoever. I've never read the book or seen the movie, so I don't, I don't really know. I've read the book, seen the However, movie several times. And are they related at all? Well, I never read the book, so. Oh, okay, okay. I did read thinner. I have read that one. That one's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty creepy, like voodoo stuff, you know, kind of cool. It's gypsy stuff, not voodoo. It's gypsy. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Have you seen the movie? No. The movie is okay. Do what? The movie is adequate at best. The special effects for the time are are decent. I like that. The way they made him, his face kind of shrink in on itself is is fairly effective. Do you, do you remember how, uh, spoiler alert, Uh-oh. Do, you, do you remember how he ended up getting rid of the curse? I don't think it's a spoiler alert on a book that was published. Somebody has never read it. Somebody, this podcast might stir the interest in some young person who decides they want to pick up some Stephen King novels and, you know, don't want to spoil too much of it. But Thinner is not one of the go-tos, I would say, so I think you're okay. <laughs> no, let's see. How does he end his curse? I honestly do not remember. It's been so long. I, I just had to look it up, because it's been hot, and if I, if I knew it had to do with the pot, yeah. right? Oh, yeah! The cursed pot. Go ahead. Right? Mm-hmm. So, that's not how the movie ended. Okay. Because in the book... Because it's a dumb ending. No, because in the book, instead of him eating the pie, his daughter accidentally eats the cursed pie. Mm. And ends up going out of her mind in the book and kills herself. Okay. The movie was like, no, that can't happen. So instead Mm -hmm. of the daughter eating the pie and committing suicide, the husband and wife, the main character and his wife, end up feeding the pie to the doctor that ended up screwing Mm. them out of all this money and the help of the child. And see that that seems more like a decent ending than eat the pie. <laughs> so it, it's funny you should bring that up because there's been a couple of other adaptations of Stephen King's where they stay pretty faithful and then something changes at the ending. One of the most famous ones of those is The Mist. Both are are good in their own way. The film's ending is I mean it's it's pretty powerful. And um, that's not how the book ended. And Stephen King actually, I I don't know that he said he liked it better, but he said, you know, he loved the way the movie ended. One more thing about the whole King Bachman thing. King wrote a book that kind of played on that whole concept. It was called The Dark Half. Are either one of y'all familiar with that one? No, no. uh, I've been sitting here trying to remember the name of a a different a different thing altogether when it comes to Sting, Stephen King Bachman deal, but it's a. Uh, I have a Bachman, one of the Bachman books, uh, The Regulators, and I know he wrote King version of it, or a King edition to Desperation. Yeah. 
Lou, I have yeah. a question though, and it's it's just done. Keep keep going while I research this. Okay, so the dark half is actually pretty cool. It's kind of like this author has this. Uh, he writes under a pseudonym, and the pseudonym comes to fruition. Like it actually materializes into the the na- the natural world, and they kind of sh- have a physical showdown. And it gets into some more magical stuff, but it's it's not bad. And they made a movie out of it in the early '90s. It was directed by George Romero, who. Ramiro and King are, are like, we're super close friends, work together on a lot of projects. The only other thing to note about Stephen King's life was uh, in 1999, he, he was in a pretty bad car wreck. He had to spend like almost a month in the hospital. Uh, he broke a lot of bones and it was pretty nasty. And um, yeah, it, was, it was after that that he wrote himself into the Dark Tower. Yeah, he, he started to... I, I don't want to. I, I feel like Stephen King has sort of like if you try to do a chart of his trajectory, I mean that thing goes all up and down, all over the place. He goes through phases where he writes just absolute brilliant books, and then he'll throw in a dream catcher or sell or something like that here or there that just uh, they just don't live up to the to the you know. Stephen King's talent looks like the Dow Jones. <laughs> so last last little piece, and then um, we can we can you know go into whatever. Just a couple notable dates of publications and adaptations that came out. Firestarter, that's a pretty good one. He wrote the book in 1980, and it came. They did the film adaptation in '84. With uh, does anybody know who stars in that one? Yeah. I should. One of Drew Barrymore's very first movies. Okay. I want to say E.T. came first, but not by much. Cujo, that was 81. They did an adaptation in 83. That uh, really scared the living crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> now, like, I've gone back and watched it, and I've, like, I've had the thought of, how did this scare me? But, mm-hmm. I mean, when I was a kid, the weirdest thing scared me, like, cocoon. <laughs> Yeah, I have not read Cujo. I've seen some stuff about it. Apparently, there's a couple of I don't know, like full chapters or just pages told from the dog's perspective. I don't love the sound of that. Uh, Stephen King has actually said that he was on so much cocaine he doesn't even remember writing Cujo. Yeah, Uh, yeah, true, true. So um, most people say, as far as Stephen King's scariest book, like just from the sheer, like the horror of it is Pet Cemetery. I actually just recently read the book, like just a few months ago. And I think the thing about it for people who haven't read it or seen the adaptations, it's very personal. It's, it's very, the horror is less about, the bump that goes, you know, that you hear in the night and more about losing loved ones and what would you do to keep your family together and that sort of thing. So it's very dark. I'm a fan of, I mean, sure. There's a part of me that loves the, uh, the horror that's really just gruesome and whatnot. It's fun. Sure. But a true horror show or movie really creates the feeling of whatever. 
you know, the feeling of fear. Like, mm-hmm. like I didn't think the, uh, oh, what was the haunting Netflix series that came out? Not Bly Manor. That was the last one. But... Hill House. Yeah, Haunting of Hill House. I didn't find, like, the actual show scary, but it created the feeling of fear all the time. Like, the entire show, mm-hmm. you just had this, like, awful feeling that something bad was going to happen. And then it did. You know what? It's funny. I also read that book recently, The Haunting of Hill House. And I have not watched the show. I hear the show is really good. It's a very short book, so they definitely take a lot of liberties in the show. But Flanagan, who directed the show, also a big Stephen King connection. He's he's directed um, a couple of, of really good Stephen King adaptations, including one called Gerald's Game. Yeah. Yeah, the scene. Ooh, boy. I actually read that one years ago, and never in my wildest dreams did I think they were going to make that into a movie. I was like. It was, it was just like so family friendly and forward. Now, I will say, to the film's credit, there are one or two things that they uh, changed and or omitted from uh, from the film that were in the book that were just. Look, I like horror. I like gross. I like weird. I like disturbing. There's a couple things that happen in that book that I care not to revisit ever. So one last book that I definitely want to touch on and get and see if you guys have any opinions on it. Which one? Well, I mean, there's only one book, but um, there's two. There's one book, two movies, actually three movies, two books, no, one long book, two books. Okay, explain. Yeah, because because you 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 have the regular Stephen King version of it, right? It's been okay. edited and gone through. And my father has a unedited version of Stephen King's It that made me not want to sleep for like a week. Hmm. Yeah. So, but there's only one I, book. You just happen to have access. Well, to I mean, it. it's, <laughs> it's it's yes. I agree. There is only one Stephen King's It. But if you go and you try to download them off Amazon or, you know, Thrift Books or something like that, it's extraordinarily hard to find. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a little research because I, I don't I don't know anything about that. It's um, the same book. It's just the scenes are a lot more in depth in some of the things. The only one that I know of that is like that is The Stand. Because I know that uh, he wrote The Stand, and his publishers were like, nah, fix it. And so he edited a lot out of The Stand. And so just within the past couple years, they've re-released The Stand, like Stephen King's full version. And I listen to some podcasts that that focus on Stephen King and, and stuff, and they've basically said, eh, both both are fine. You know, the uncut quote unquote version is is extremely long though. So but yeah, it well, is well, also extremely long. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it is extremely long. What is the page count it? Something like fifteen uh, I think maybe twelve hundred. Let's see. Okay. Pages. It. I love all this tapping. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, one thousand one hundred 1,138 pages. It is easily the longest book that I have ever read. And I got to tell you, it wasn't that hard. Now you want to take on the Encyclopedia Britannica. 
You won't know my favorite Stephen King book ever was. What? Yes. Skinwalkers. Yes. Skinwalkers? Skinwalkers. Why? Have you not seen it? No. I've not seen it. Read it? No. And there's a movie about it, too. Not surprising. They seem to have pumped out a bunch of Stephen King adaptations at one point that were very No, Stephen point. King's Skinwalkers is about a group of people who can literally change shape. And they change into like these cat things and essentially lick the skin off other people and can wear it. Right? They've been around in You were gonna say something, Luke, I heard you. Well, I I don't wanna I don't wanna like be a be a dick. They Skinwalkers was never a book. <laughs> it was uh it was just a movie and, and Stephen King wrote the screenplay for it. Oh that that's fine. I mean, well, I, I mean, I didn't want you to, like, no, I didn't want to be it, like... It took, you know how many books I've read? I mean, I, I remember, Oh, I believe it, yeah. I, I, remember, I remember watching Skinwalkers, and usually if I watch a movie that's based on an author or something, an author, yeah, I usually yeah. read it first. Sure, so, sure. I mean, it's like, I mean, I remember seeing the movie, it frightened the living shit out of me. Uh, when, when did you see it? That's what I asked him, how old were you? 1990s? Yeah, go back and watch it now, and you will laugh hysterically. Probably. It is so oh, it's I mean, so cheese. It's so dad, much fun. My 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 dad was like, my dad was like, I bet you Stephen King's going to be in this movie. And sure enough, he was the great. He was the uh, cemetery grave digger, cemetery runner, whatever you want to call him. He like C- ran the cemetery, cemetery land developer. Yes, yeah, Undertaker. I don't know what the hell you want to call him, but he's in the movie. And I remember he's sitting in the movie and he's like smoking a cigarette and he's got like that that iconic collar on his neck. Yeah. Whatever that thing was. And he's talking to the police officer. He's like, man, like I told this guy over here, man, these kids, these kids come here all hours of the night and it's not my problem. It's not my problem. And he's like, like chain smoking a cigarette. <laughs> he, he just made Stephen King sound like Quentin Tarantino. Well, maybe he was. Mm. I'm, now, a, I'm convinced you... that, that Stephen King has been in how many movies and has never been given any direction on how to be a better actor. <laughs> Okay, so to, to bring to bring that full circle, have either one of you guys seen the movie Creep Show? Yes. I Okay. Nineteen seventy seventy one is directed by George Romo, written by Stephen King. I think and I've seen it. I can't recall it. I just keep thinking of him in an episode of Tales of the Crypt. <laughs> okay. So in Creep Show there's it's five like shorts and they're all sort of based on the EC comics tales from crypt and, and all those from the forties and fifties. And Stephen King's segment is about this meteorite that crash lands onto earth. And he plays like this podunk farmer. (laughs) Maybe that's what I'm thinking of because I remember him. Yes, I think it is. I think it is. And he touches it. And all this stuff starts to like grow on his hands and he basically starts to turn into a plant. And he is so coked out of his mind that he is just like a million miles an hour. He's practically foaming at the mouth when he's giving lines. It is hysterical. That movie is a masterpiece of horror, but that particular segment is just Stephen King's hammy acting is just incredible. It's it's a it's a sight to be seen. I get you. He did. Stephen King did direct 
one movie. Does anybody know what it is? Oh, I did know this. I don't remember. Director. I mean, I know he's written a bunch. Right. No. But one time he directed a movie. He did direct. And I don't remember this because I didn't study for this test. I know, right? What was it? Well, don't worry. You're not missing out on much. It was Maximum Overdrive. Yes, yes. Oh, what do you mean you, you're not missing out on much? Maximum Overdrive. Well, okay. It's, if, I mean, if anybody hasn't seen Maximum Overdrive, their life is not going to be uh, blessed by anything if they reach out and see it. They're not going to be missing anything if they don't see it. Your life will be improved one notch only because there's a scene near the beginning where Stephen King is at an ATM machine, and as he's trying to get his money, it steals his card, and the ATM starts flashing at him. And so he looks at his wife and goes, hey, this ATM just called me an asshole. (laughs) Best part of the whole movie. Now, is this before or after Coke? During. During. Lots of Coke here, too. One of the best parts is if you... (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, If you go back, you can find it on YouTube. Better than the movie, there's a TV spot uh, promoting the movie that has Stephen King in it. And it's him standing there, eyes just wide, like, you know, jittery. And he's like, for years, people have been messing up my books, turning them into movies. Now it's my turn to do it my way. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. It's like, oh, my God, it's so bad. It's so bad. And what was that before? Sorry, I missed that. That was for uh, the... Yeah, yeah actually has Stephen King. Yeah, it's it, Stephen King's actually in the TV promo, and yeah, kind of in closing. What's what's interesting is that I feel like Stephen King is. So first of all, this has been a test the whole time, and you just gave a book report line like a third grader in closing. Well, I I figured we've probably gone on long enough. I can talk about Stephen King for hours, but I don't. Well, what I was going to say, though, was that I think it's really cool that within the past five, ten years or so, there's been this real King resurgence. Like a lot of I'll use it as an example. I did not see the Tim Curry miniseries when I was a kid. Since I've gotten older, I have gone back and watched it and it doesn't really hold up. It's the only way to watch that movie is on two VHS Yes, and I think if you're in the right mindset, and, and I mean, I watch tons of old movies and, and cheesy movies and stuff, so I'm cool with it. I know what they were trying to go for. There's things about it I really like, but the fact that they're now taking some of those same properties with modern technology, modern, like the things you can do in a scary movie now, and trying new things. Like, I know a lot of people had some problems with the new It remakes. I actually think they're really, really good. They managed to be faithful to the books, but also, you know, uh, kind of have like modern horror cinema in it. I so was, I actually I like them. I was on board for the whole movie, except for the the whole scene at dinner with the weird little baby that crawls out of the thing. And it's just, it's... Weird. So again, I know that sounds really like, uh, and, and I'm not saying the execution was perfect, but that was in the book. And when I read the book and then saw the movie and saw what they did at that dinner scene, I was like, that's pretty much how I pictured it. Like they did the best they could to capture 
the book and put it into a, a, a movie. So I feel like the five hours that it takes to watch the, the two new ones is, is well worth it for sure. Favorite Stephen King movie? Uh, the Shining, but it's not really a Stephen King movie. What about you, Lucas? Ooh, Favorite. that is tough. Like you're, you're, you're about to be given a lethal injection for driving around a windowless van. What 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 Stephen King movie are you gonna ask for? Probably probably the new the new it's. Not, I get I get to watch both of them. Not can I see my wife and daughter <laughs> give me a Stephen King movie? Well, he doesn't have that choice because <laughs> he's driving around the Yeah, I wasn't given that option. Okay. What about you? Shawshank Redemption. Huh. Okay. That that is a really good one. And At least I get to listen to Morgan Freeman narrate and then while I'm being like marched down the march down death row. When they're like, dead man walking! I can hear Morgan Freeman so, going, yes, he really was <laughs> a dying man that day. Andy Dufresne was my <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't really get into it, but but there is a stage in Stephen King's life where he basically just said, you know what? Everybody sees me as this horror freak guy. I'm going to show you I'm, a, I'm the real deal. And he sort of entered into what a lot of people call prestige king and that's when he wrote things like the body which turned into stand by me which is a great movie shawshank uh green mile uh and there's there's a couple more in there too (laughs) i didn't even think about that one as far as like best king movie what because what's interesting to to casey's point what's the best adaptation versus what's the best movie you know because the shining i mean that's an incredible film i mean stanley kubrick did this art piece basically but yeah it's it's so far removed from the source material that it's hard to really like equate the two now i do have a question so i did not read dr sleep did you i've not read dr sleep yet i do want to see the movie but i want to read the book first and i have not gotten to the book yet Okay, so the movie is, does its own thing, and then like the last mm-hmm. quarter of the movie, like really connects into the Shining movie, and yeah. so it makes you wonder if it's actually the book or the movie that the book does. What I know about the book is that it is a sequel to the Shining. It is meant to; they're meant to be like part one, part two. Right. But I don't know what kind of liberties the the movie takes because it is uh if i'm not mistaken it's directed by mike flanagan again who he does a really good job with king adaptations so i feel like under somebody else's direction it might take more liberties than uh something like you know his work because like gerald's game like i said for as as that is, it's pretty faithful to the book. All right. So I think there could be another discussion on adaptation versus book and what. Oh, yeah. And uh, and maybe, maybe we'll do it. But <laughs> for the letter K, that's, that, that's Luke, not King. But we would talk about Stephen King. Yes. All right. I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed... Being able to geek out and nerd out over my uh, my second favorite author. So thank you guys for that. Appreciate You're that. Welcome. That's what we're here for. To let you be. Well, who we'll. You are. 
we're gonna save my favorite author for another time. I might uh might try to get that letter so I can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Alright. Alright. Thanks. Alright, till next time. We're Danger and Sarge and that baby gator. He he was gonna say hi, but he's waving. They can't, they, can't, they can't see you wave. They can't hear you wave in a podcast.